YoMTG Taps is brought to you by StarCityGames.com. The next stop on the Star City Games Open Series is coming up soon in Richmond, Virginia. On February 4th and 5th, join hundreds of other players to battle it out in the standard legacy and draft opens and compete for the glory, the money, and the prestige of moving up the ranks in the SCG Players Club. With side events galore and live coverage courtesy of SCG Live, it'll be an action-packed weekend that you won't want to miss. So make plans to join StarCityGames.com in Richmond, and we'll see you there. Welcome to episode 94 of Yo! MTG Taps. I'm Joey Pasco. And I'm Big Head Joe. We're going to talk about magic cards. You know it. Yeah, as always. Uh, this past weekend, let's, see, let's just dive right in. Let's just delve right into this, shall just we? Just delve right into delve this. Delve right in. And I don't mean removing cards from the graveyard to cast Tombstalker. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so this past weekend was uh, the, the Star City Open Series in D.C. And... Uh, Blue White Delver won the standard portion in the hands of Todd Anderson. He's an expert with the, you know the Illusions decks, and of course Delver is just the next evolution of Illusions, and uh, it's all over the place. Yep. Um, now I'm looking at the top sixteen, and Evan Irwin pointed this out on Twitter. There's no green cards. There's no non-Phyrexian mana green cards in the top sixteen. Wow. Um, no green cards. And, uh, you know, I guess a wolf run doesn't count because it's not right. actually a green card anyway. But, you know, it's like where where's green? Yeah. We've, we've got – I'm looking at 16 decks here. I see one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Delver lists in the top 16. Um, and that's not counting uh, blue-white humans, which I guess – is different enough to get its own little archetype name. And, I mean, it is a quite kind of a different deck. It's got the Champion of the Parish, Doom Traveler kind of thing going on. But, uh, you know, it's really not that far off from a very similar deck. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, that's that. there was a fourth-place white-blue... Uh, it says white-blue humans. I'm, it's weird for me to say white-blue. I'm just so used to saying blue-white but uh, maybe they're just called Wu Tang Clan. It's Wu humans. Wu, it's Wu men. Wu, Wu Tang, Wu Tang. Uh, so yeah, we've got two of those in the top not top nine. I know I'm saying that sounds strange. Top nine. Well, really, in ninth place. But then in eleventh place, there's blue white humans. Uh, <laughs> what the heck? And then in sixteenth place is white blue humans again. So I. I Assuming they're all similar enough to be relatively the same archetype, that's nine Delver lists and four Humans lists. So in in the top sixteen, so that leaves us with what three non-blue white based aggro decks? Is yeah, basically. Well, right? well, there's um. Well, no, 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 no. no. There were se- seven. Did I say I seven? Know. Seven Delver lists. That's yes. what it was. That's because I yeah the nine was how many decks <laughs> were left. So you're right. It's eleven. Uh, 11 blue-white aggro lists, 
and uh, five other decks. So we've got Grixis Control, Blue-Black Control, uh, Infect, uh, another uh, Blue-White Control, yeah, and a uh, Red-Black Metalcraft, which, you know, what is that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Haven't seen let's, that one before. Let's, let's click on that. <laughs> let's, let's take a look. Yeah, Michael Rooks piloting that deck. Um it, it looks kind of like uh, now in in modern right now. One of the uh, one of the big decks is Affinity, and one of you know there's two directions you can go with uh, with it. You can go the white version, which has like Tempered Steel, and or you can have the red version, which has like you know Burn Spells, Shrapnel Blast, uh, Galvanic Blast, things like that. This kind of almost looks like it, it, the same kind of idea. Like it, it's obviously it's not the Affinity mechanic. But actually, in modern, most of the cards, or or none of the cards, have the affinity mechanic either. It's just kind of carried that name with it. But we've got like a kind of a bunch of artifacts, etched champion, and then we've got burn spells, Chandra's Phoenix, Galvanic Blast. There, uh, Geist Flame, Brimstone Volley instead of uh, instead of Shrapnel Blast. I mean, Brimstone Volley is pretty much Shrapnel Blast, you know, to to some degree. Right. Uh, very comparable, and he's got uh, Go for the Throat in there. Uh, is really is that the only black spell in the main deck? Looks like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he's got Stencia Blood Hall, which obviously can make use of that black mana. And uh, Surgical Extraction in the sideboard uh, looks like the only other black card, and obviously that doesn't actually require the black mana either. So it's what a weird much, deck. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's cool. It's uh, you know, it, it's basically red slash artifact aggro. Plus, go for the throat. You know. Yeah. Um, now Kenny, our friend Kenny, uh, played actually in DC. I don't know how he ended up doing, but he was playing a red black aggro deck. Uh, so I, I I don't know that it was how, how close it was to this list. I don't know where he uh, if he kind of built it himself. I haven't seen the list, but I know that's what he was working on. Uh, kind of cool. Right. But yeah, well, how crazy is it? There's no green cards. Yeah, it's sad. Um, we need a know, new set to shake things up. Well, I hope so. I mean, yeah. like, you know, this is like where we, we are, where we are this time every year is like we're looking at standard, going, oh, standard's so repetitive, and like, and we need a new set. And then like every year, the new set comes out, and it doesn't seem like it does much to change standard. I don't know. I think that's that's arguably I don't know that I, I, that's debatable. I think think last year, the new set was mirrored and besieged. Yeah. Mirrored and Besieged has sort of Feast and Famine in it, which basically spawned Callblade. Now, there was Call-Go, right? Kibler played Call-Go at Worlds, and it didn't really catch on because it, it didn't uh, – you know, the, the big deck from Worlds last year was uh, Guillaume versus Guillaume in, in the finals, and they were both playing Blue-Black Control. And so Blue-Black was the big Worlds deck coming out of Worlds. Right? And, uh, but Kibler actually had Call-Go. And they took that and went, let's put this squire in the deck that fetches equipment because we have this sort of feast in famine. And that pretty much was the birth of Callblade. So uh, it did quite a bit to change things, I think, last year. All right. When you think about it. Um, and I uh, think. Well, also- I'm saying that. Well, well, no, well, what happened was one of the good decks got stronger and got stronger to the point where, you know, other decks couldn't really compete. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the the other thing was it was kind of under the radar as a good deck, even though Kibler played it. Um, it it changed the it changed the scope of the the metagame though. Uh, even if it wasn't like a, a completely new deck. 
Right. Um, sure. And also I think the year before that was World Wake. And at the time, Jund was the dominant deck. And I think Jund continued to be dominant for a little bit longer. But that was just while people kind of got used to playing with uh, Jace the Mind Sculptor, who, you know, at the time may or may not be playable. Right. You know, <laughs> it's right. kind of nuts to think back to then and think about the people, think the fact that people were wondering if Jace was going to be playable. A four mana brainstorm. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, and that was, that was just one card out of there. There was another card that, you know, that was in World Wake that made a pretty big difference, but it took a year <laughs> and that was Stoneforge Mystic. We also had Tectonic Edge out of World Wake. Um, so I think, I think the, the thing is, Maybe it's not immediately apparent how the second set will change things, but people will figure it out. Um, and with so many GPs and, and SCG opens, we've got a long, we've got a lot of opportunities for people to uh, to try some different things. Sure. Well, I hope they do. Yes. Yeah, sure. This does not make me very happy. Um, does not make me hopeful for standard to come. Um, yeah, it's it was interesting actually because uh, Sam Stoddard said, and I'm actually trying to find the the quote so I don't uh, misquote. Just it. make something up. Just make just, something up. Just make something oh, up make something that he up. said. Let's see. <laughs> okay. He, he wrote. So I sort of take back what I said about standard being awesome. Standard was awesome. Now it's been solved. Still, four months is a good run, and that, and that, I, I pretty much agree with that. Where the Delver lists were popular. But there did seem to be a lot of uh, kind of turnover in in other decks in the metagame. I mean, where are – looking at that top 16, where's Wolf Run? Right. There's no Wolf Run there, and that was one of the biggest decks all season, and it's not there. Uh, but we've got blue-black control, blue-white control, Grixis control, three different decks – that are, you know, three different kinds of control decks. We've got Infect in there that kind of seems to pop up. And no Mono Red again here. You know, it, it won last week and it disappears. Yep. It's kind of funny. But uh, I think I think we're uh, right at the point where we need a new set to change things up. And hopefully Dark Ascension will uh, will provide some of that, uh, some of that excitement for us. Um, but uh, speaking of Mono Red... And speaking of excitement... <laughs> Well, are we both? I hope we're both transitioning into the yes. same uh, same thing. What the mono red deck that won in Legacy? <laughs> no, I was going to talk about the Royal Rumble this Sunday. Really? I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. <laughs> uh, mono red did win in Legacy. Austin, yes, it did. Austin Yost, Yost, Yost. And it reminded me of something. That mono red is good in Legacy? No, it reminded me. Why the hell am I not playing Kelden Marauders in my modern mono red deck? Oh, it's banned. Because <laughs> I, um, I'm, cause I'm playing um, with Stormblood Berserker. I was like, oh, that's a really good two drop, and I'm like, oh yeah, Kelden Marauders is just like better. Yeah, <laughs> I like, didn't even think about it. And I was looking through some cards the other day, and I found my set of them. I was like, oh yeah, I need to put these in my deck. What could I replace? Oh yeah, the card that isn't as good. So. You should put a uh, uh, greater Gargadon in there. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what your list looks like, but when I think when I see Keldon Marauders, I always think of Greater Gargadon because of that. Because I, that's where I played it, where I played Greater Gar- Gargadon because because of the vanishing uh, trigger, you could sacrifice it to the Greater Gargadon and actually get something out of it. You know what I mean? And, Not uh, to mention the fact that I have Hellspark Elemental and Ball Lightning. 
Also. Um, yeah, that, that's a good point. <laughs> so <gasps> there's, some, there's an idea. Yeah, that's a decent idea. So uh, I like it. I like it. So, yeah, uh, Mono Red takes down the Legacy Open. Now, we were talking a couple weeks ago about the top 16 of Legacy and what was missing. This deck has – I mean, this top 16 has three Storm decks uh, in yep. the top 16. So, uh, yeah. It shows Mono- the cyclical nature of, of Legacy. I kind of love it, you know? Yeah. Look, wh- where's uh, where's Blue-White Stoneblade? Yeah. I mean, that was – that deck's always there. I mean, that is just always – there's at least one in the top eight. There's none in the top 16. And you know what else is not in the top 16? What's that? Um, Maverick. Maverick was all over the top 16 last week. Where are the white cards? <laughs> like, I don't, I'm looking at, okay, we've got Mono Red, we've got Rug Tempo, we've got Reanimator, we've got Lone Pox, which Ali Antrazi played, and I love it. it it's, it's kind of like, he took the Reed Duke list and added a, a couple little twists, including Life from the Loam, which seems really good. To be able to, uh, you know, when you're when you're making both players discard or blowing up lands, you can uh, just get use life from the loam to get that card advantage right back. Um, I think that was a great innovation there. And then uh, on the other, the one of the other innovations he put in there was uh, vampire hex mage and dark depths. Just one of each, but hey, it's just another angle to attack from. Um, I love that. I don't know why that hasn't been played more in Legacy, honestly. I think that's a, such a, like, sick combo, obviously. Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess, like, there is Swords to Plowshares, but okay, gain 20. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I'll gain 20. That's okay. Yeah, I mean, when it's just a small part, like, in, in this deck, it's not even, it's not anywhere near the primary win condition. It's kind of just, like, the way back up, like, hey, if I happen to to uh, to get this off, this is... An entirely different strategy and angle to attack you from. And, uh, you know, it's just a one of for each. The other addition, he added uh, Tabernacle of Pendril Veil. Now, I- I'm saying Ali did this. It- it's possible someone else did it and Ali got the idea from them, but I'm seeing it for the first time in Ali's list. Mm-hmm. Uh, the addition of green to the deck also allows him to run Maelstrom Pulse and Pernicious Deed in the sideboard, which is pretty cool. Yes. Uh, also, Crossing Grip. So th- I-, I definitely. Uh, I like I like what he's doing there. I like that it was mono black, but this seems pretty cool too. Uh, a pretty cool uh, direction to take it. So, but yeah, where are the white cards? It's, yeah, it's very strange. Uh, I mean, figure of destiny's white, but it's in the mono red deck. <laughs> he's not paying white mana for it. Right. Um, looking at like aggro loam doesn't have any white cards. Yeah, I'm just trying to think. We've got you know the storm decks, another rug tempo deck we've got lands which you know doesn't play white cards either (laughs) Um, so uh, while we're missing green cards from standard we're missing white cards from uh from legacy (laughs) i'm now i'm I'm just trying to look through these lists i'm looking at uh show and tell show and tell doesn't have i mean progenitus is white technically but you know I, i i don't mean i don't mean like you know uh, a splash color, like a, I mean, like actually, where are the white, where are the the decks that rely on white? They'll be back next week. Yeah, exactly. It'll be like s- or, seven blade decks or something. Yeah, I mean, if that's the weird thing about Legacy, and I think that, and I, and I was just thinking this. I don't know, it's because I think it's funny partially, but it's partially true. I think that 
the definition of a healthy format is a format where you can play green without feeling like a chump. <laughs> yeah, so standard's not healthy, but legacy is. is that, like, standard's not healthy right now. Right. You know what I mean? Like, earlier in the season, like St- Sam was saying, mm-hmm. standard was healthy because you could play green and not feel like a chump. <laughs> That's actually an interesting definition. Like, I, I, it sounds funny, but it does. It sounds funny, but it's not too far off. You know, like if you can play green in a format and and do okay and do well, then it's probably a healthy format. If you have to play like blue and white, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, then then there might be something wrong. Which obviously, you know, we're going to have a nice infusion of cards to correct. None of well, I mean, it's okay. I'm not going to say none, but the the green cards don't look that great. I don't know. Um, it, it's really, I, again, uh, it's kind of hard to predict exactly sure. how the, the metagame is going to change because I really think that the, the, this is kind of the way things go with new sets. They There may not be some obvious, ridiculous Snapcaster Mage kind of card in every set that people are like – Right away, this is obviously incredible. Um, and even if there's only there's one, you know, and the rest of the set looks eh, mediocre or weak, and then you see things pop up like Keswick Wolf Run, and you know, establishing an entire archetype based around the fact that Wolf Run and Inkmoth Nexus exist in a format with Primeval Titan. You know, right? Um, and that's just just you know, random examples kind of off the top of my head. Um, <clears throat> and then you have. You know, with with Dark Ascension, it looks like the, the you know the big. It feels to me like the the big staple card is that Graft Digger's Cage, that's gonna make an impact in all formats. But it's a sideboard card, right? You know, it's it's a sideboard card. So then you look at the rest of the the set, and you you're kind of like, is this, you know, what where are the the obvious standouts? And maybe there aren't any obvious standouts. But once we get a chance to play with the decks uh, and play with the cards, there's going to be a point where we're going, I can't believe I didn't see that, you know, Black Cat was just going to be a standard staple. Right. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. Look at, uh, again, I third time in the, in the episode, I'm bringing up Stoneforge Mystic, but that's pretty much a, a good example of a card that people really didn't play much of. It saw play in, uh, in some Naya decks when Bloodbraid Elf was still around, they'd play the uh, the Cunning Spark Mage Basilisk Collar combo, and they would mm-hmm. they would play Stoneforge Mystic to get the Basilisk Collar. That was Stoneforge right. Mystic's role until the sort of Feast and Famine uh, was was printed in uh, Mirrored and Besieged. So we really don't know, but uh, that's what we have as a format now. I expect things to look more and more different as the weeks go on because the next open series event is next weekend, February 4th and 5th in Richmond. And that's when uh, dark ascension is legal for the first time. And it, as I mentioned, graph diggers cage is going to, that's going to have an effect on legacy. Um, it, it may just be a sideboard card, but I would love to see, you know, it, it's, you wonder how, how much is it going to affect legacy? I guess we're going to get to at least have a, a peek into that in just, you know, just over a week. It seems like people think that it's going to have quite an effect on Legacy, um, just based on. I'm just looking it up right now. What's the card called again? Graph Digger's Cage. Graph. Okay. Uh, I, I just... typed in Tear Graph. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because uh, it's – at least that's what I'm, I've been calling it. <laughs> sure. I could be suddenly wrong. Now you're making me doubt myself. No, no. It's Graph Digger's Cage. <laughs> I, just, I was trying to look it up on the quick search thing. Right. Um. Yeah, you can like tell people think it's going to have an impact on legacy because it's thirty dollar foil. So. Oh yeah, that's right. I saw Travis, uh, Travis, <laughs> tweeting that yesterday and kind not of not happy, <laughs> upset about it. Um. Yeah. So. Uh. So that's that's what happened this past weekend, and right. now we're gonna talk a little bit about what we think might happen in the coming weeks. For those of you who. Live under a rock. I think we need a new expression for live under a rock. Because, I mean, do we have fans that live under rocks? I don't even I mean, know if they have internet under rocks. I'm sure they do. I mean, they have those little hotspot things everywhere now. So. Yeah, just, it's just – maybe it might just be a bad connection, but, um, you know, they're just, just not reliable. But, yeah, anyway, the whole spoiler for Dark Ascension was released on Monday. Hooray. Officially released. There was no Godbook slip-up. It was the actual uh, visual uh, – I'm sorry. They don't call it a, a spoiler. It's the uh, card image gallery. The full set was released on the card image gallery. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so uh, so Joe and I kind of took a look through the list, and uh, I guess we just want to talk about a couple standouts. Let's just start yeah. with this one, even though it's, my, it's the last one on my list. I want to start with it. I have written here, what the hell vault? Um, <laughs> so hell vault was actually spoiled last week um, before the, the full spoiler went up, but uh, after we recorded. It's an artifact. It's a legendary artifact, mythic rare for three, and the abilities on it, you pay one, tap it, exile target creature you control. Pay seven, tap it, exile target creature you don't control. When Hellvault is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, return all cards exiled with it to the battlefield under their owner's control. Um, I don't even know. That's why I wrote What the Hellvault? <laughs> Here, here's, you, know, you know what I think about Hellvault? What? I think it's a card people should be picking up. Yeah. It's a $2 mythic, mm -hmm. um, and it has potential unknown combo implications. You know what I mean? Like, right. Like, there could be some way to abuse this card, obviously, um, with ETB triggers, you know, just, I mean, I don't know why you would want to, well, I know why you would want to exile creatures that you don't control if they could potentially come back, like, if, you know, you need to get through or something, but I don't know why you'd be paying seven to do that when you could just pay one for a Galvanic Blast, you know what I mean? But, like, at the same time... Um, there, there could be some implication. I mean, this card could be used in something down the line, and it's never going to be cheaper than two dollars. Yeah, I mean, and it's a new card. You know what I mean? Like, this I, is the kind of card that I would pick up, like, nonstop at the pre-release because it's not worth anything, and it doesn't. It's not going to hurt you too. You know what I mean? Right. It's sort of the, uh, the, uh, what was the. The land from uh, from Rise of, Eye of Ugin. It's sort of kind of like an Eye of Ugin type card, where right. it's like, what is this, and how are we going to use that? And right. uh, I mean, maybe it's not to that extreme because that one was definitely was was way weird. But uh, you know, also kind of like a Dark Depths kind of card, where it's like nobody's really ever going to play this. I can see like the the obvious thing where you're like, maybe I have a bunch of guys that. Uh, 
you know, they have a lot of enter the battlefield triggers and I'll just sit here and exile my own creatures, maybe in response to removal or something like that. And then I'll do something like shrapnel blast or whatever to destroy my hell vault and, uh, and get my creatures back. Or maybe you have something like, uh, Elspeth, Elspeth Terrell, who's going to blow up everything. Uh, so you, you know, exile your own guys and then blow everything up and hell vault blows up too, but all your guys come back. You know, there's those kind of things, but they, that seems, you know, mondo clunky. <laughs> seems mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, just, just, yeah, there's, there's easier ways. It's kind of <laughs> weird, but then you have the, the second part where you're exiling for seven and that seems cool. Like, Hey, I have repeatable removal, but it costs seven. And as soon as that hell vault's gone, all they need is a single ancient grudge. They get all their guys back. And now you're in probably deeper trouble because you just collected a bunch of guys for them to just get back all at once. Right. So unless you've got some sort of wrath effect, that's tough. And maybe there's something neither of us are seeing, but I agree with you. It's a, it's a weird card that doesn't have obvious uh, implications right now, or, or if they're if there are implications that exist, uh, I, I haven't seen them. Uh, it just seems seems like a strange card, but I, I wanted to point it out because of its kind of uniqueness. And, and that's another thing. The fact that it's sort of unique is that's the kind of card that you want to pick up because really there aren't a lot of cards that do this sort of thing. And if there comes a point in time when this is necessary, it's the only card that does it. Right when when yeah. you need something that does something like this, it's the only card available, so it shoots up. There is no other kind of dark depths. There's only one. Right? There's no no real other uh, land that you can just combo with a va- vampire hex mage and get a twenty twenty. Right. <clears throat> Your turn. Man. Yeah. Did we talk about Elbrus last week? We, no, we mentioned it. You you mentioned it on the uh, off of the checklist card. But we didn't have it spoiled when, when no. we've talked. Okay, so um, I want to talk about this card because this card is weird. <laughs> it's Elbrus the Binding Blade. It costs – you have to say it in a nerdy kind of voice. It's Elbrus the Binding Blade. It's a uh, seven to cast. It's a mythic rare legendary artifact equipment. Equipped creature gets plus one plus zero. <laughs> Sounds wow, that's so awesome. terrible. Well, but it only costs what, one to equip. One to equip, but seven to cast. It just sounds funny. Mm-hmm. When equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, unattach Elbrus the Binding Blade, then transform it. I love the flavor right there. Go ahead. I just, yes. I just want to say I love this. It's like I'm going to stab you with this blade and then something's happening. <laughs> this is pretty much what I – I didn't quite predict the craziness of the creature, but this is pretty much what I predicted this card was going to be. Was yeah. That it was going to transform into a creature that was released from the blade. Yeah. yeah so – I think that was I, kind of what we, what we were – maybe it was uh, – I think kind of – Everybody was kind of thinking that might be what it what it does. Sure, I didn't get as close to uh, Giraffe's uh, to this as you got to Giraffe's messenger. Oh, we should talk but, about that next. <laughs> oh, we will. Um, but I just saw the art for this for the first time. Holy crap, this is cool! <laughs> so it transforms into Withen Horn Elder. Yeah, it transforms into Horn Elder. <laughs> No, go ahead. I'm sorry. It transforms into Withengar Unbound, and it's a black creature. It's not no longer an artifact. Legendary creature demon. 
1313 Flying Intimidate Trample. Whenever a player loses the game, put 13 plus one plus one counters on Withengar Unbound. And I have one question about this card. Can I put the counters on him in response to my opponent losing the game in a two-player game in a tournament? Can I just do that? Like, still had all these? Like, can I grab 13? <laughs> still had all these 26 26s? Yeah, just be like... <laughs> Hold on, but before you pick up your cards, right. let me put my counters on my guy. Yeah, while you scoop, I'll put some uh, some dice on uh, on with him here. Tear thirteen pieces of paper real quick and just sit there and set the. What are you doing? I'm putting my counters on. You lost the game. Yeah. Like, but the game's over. Yeah. So I'm sure that that is going to happen plenty of times. Well, wait, it, you know, wait, I get to put my counters on with and bound on the uh, on the kitchen table, but uh. <laughs> I have a few, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like, obviously, I don't even know, obviously, this doesn't seem like a standard kind of card. A thirteen thirteen Flying Intimidate Trample seems like a decent finisher. Right, is this is this another kind of, I'm laughing at it, like it's, like people laughed at Dark Depths? Could be. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Like, I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and like. I'm not going to put myself. Well, I, I put myself out there all the time. I'm not going to this time say that this is a hundred percent constructed playable card. But don't discredit it because when you're facing down that thirteen thirteen flying intimidate trample in a tournament and you start to get salty, remember this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, look at Argenta Armor. Right. Like that saw play. In one tournament. I'm just kidding. Yeah, I mean, for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it did. And But what, what was it people were using to, to search for it? I feel like wasn't there – that was the uh, – um, I'm having trouble remembering. It was it was one of the Ascensions, it? wasn't it? No, it was – no, no, no. It was one of the Oh, Ascensions. that's right. It was a uh, – a, quest, a, a quest for the Holy Relic. That's it, yeah. So Quest for the Holy Relic is not uh, – Do you want to tell us what that card does? Is that a for the Holy Relic <laughs> was not reprinted, but if you want to know what it does, yeah, it was from, it was from Zendikar and let you search for uh, an equipment, put it on the battlefield, and attach it to a creature you control. So <clears> – excuse me. Um, it's – actually, <laughs> and like I'm looking going, <laughs> can we play Elbrus in modern? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm just you know brewing in my head, uh, but you know the fact what do you think that, uh, of it? well no I, my my immediate thing with quest obviously I'm looking at quest for the holy relic that's what's making mm. me think about it but uh, you uh, it it doesn't say you have to do it at sorcery speed so you could have whenever you, it, the thing is whenever you cast a creature spell so it's a white enchantment for one white it's an uncommon whenever you cast a creature spell you put a quest counter on it. And when you remove five quest counters from it and sacrifice it, you search your library for an equipment, put it on the battlefield, and attach it to a creature you control. So how scary would it be if I'm, like, attacking with something dumb and you're just, like, don't block, but I have the quest there and I'm, like, all right, no no blocks, sacrifice my quest, get Elbrus, attach it, now my guy deals damage, flip the, the Elbrus into Withengar, and uh, now you have a 13-13 to deal with. Uh, obviously, the quest is right there on the table with five counters on it, so you probably should be afraid. <laughs> but uh, right. but it just seems funny. Like I may, maybe that's a deck. I don't I don't know. I mean, it was a deck in standard for a little while, and if you have, there's two kind of things where you go, oh, it was a deck in standard, but it was in standard, a weaker format. It's no chance it's going to survive in 
older formats. But then on the other hand, you can go, well, it was a deck in standard, and now the older format gives it way more tools to make it a stronger deck, and maybe it actually is better or or just as good in an older format. I mean, look at um at Martyr uh, Martyr of Sands. That was mm-hmm. a standard deck for a while, and now it's a modern deck. So, uh, and you know, Jund as well. But I don't, I don't know. It, this is another one where it's kind of like maybe pick it up for cheap. Do you know how much they are right now? Elbrus five yeah. bucks. Okay, maybe wait <laughs> until it until people are like, nah, I'm not doing anything with this. But it would be kind of funny to have have one around just in case. I don't really think you play a bunch of them in a deck. Maybe it's just a one of. I don't know. I it, it's. It's it's a very it's a high risk high reward one. Search it up with treasure mage. You can't search it up with treasure mage. Oh, treasure mage! I'm thinking yes, of you can. mage. Treasure yes, mage, you you're can. right. You can. Oh wow! <laughs> Except you still have to pay seven for it. Semblance anvil costs five. <laughs> there you go. We're stretching here. <laughs> yeah, try, trying to stretch this uh, binding blade into standard. Your turn. All right, my turn. All right, um, let's go with. Uh, Let's go with Counterlash, which uh, which is one that the shocker. Know, yeah, I, I figured you you wouldn't be too surprised. Uh, Counterlash. Now I don't think it's I don't know that I think it's good, but it's still mention worth mentioning. It's a rare instant for two blue and four colorless. Counter target spell. You may cast a non land card in your hand that shares a card type with that spell without paying its mana cost. Um. So it's counterspell, and but you're playing for colorless to pay something else for, quote unquote, free. But it has to be in your hand. You have at the time it has to also share a card type with the spell you're countering. Um, and, and I'm guessing you have to be able to cast it in that phase too. No, no, the timing restrictions. I look, on the FAQ it says the uh, the timing restrictions don't matter. Uh, as, That's good. Then. Yeah. Well, that, that was what, what I was really worried about was like, okay, so I'm countering your primeval titan, but I can't cast a creature from my hand. You know that that right. sucks. That's that's what I first thought about the card too. Now, that makes it a lot better. Um, I still don't know about. I mean, for six, still, it's not terrible. Um, being able to cast something from your hand. I mean, because they you, you counter their titan and play your frost titan. Right. I mean, and that's that's pretty cool. Like that. Like, it's it's just the problem is you need to have the titan in your hand at the time. You know what I mean? It, it's it seems kind of for Titans, <laughs> right? Well, I'm I don't know. I feel like it doesn't seem it doesn't really seem playable. Here's what it does: it reminds me of Draining Welk. Yeah, Draining Welk had the same converted mana cost, and uh, it had it was a flash flying creature that when you uh, when it came into play, counter target spell, and you put counters on it equal to the converted mana cost of the spell you countered. And Draining Welk saw, like, fringe play. Um, it definitely saw some play, but it wasn't very much. I mean, it's a six-mana counterspell. And what happens when you don't have something else in your hand worth playing? I mean, if I, my hand is land, snapcaster, mage, counterlash, um, you know, and I need to counter your spell, well, this sucks. You know, <laughs> I need to yeah. counter your spell and... I'm either playing a Snapcaster Mage, which now I don't have any mana to even – even if I play the Snapcaster for free, maybe I probably don't have much mana left over to even get value out of whatever I give flashback, you know, potentially. Who knows? I'm, I'm just – it seems like it's – uh, it seems really too too expensive for what 
what it gives you. Now, I, I, there's going to be times when you're like counter your, uh, you know, counter your Knight of the Reliquary or something. Of course, that's ridiculous. It's in modern. I'm trying to mm-hmm. – I just tried to think of a creature and that's what popped into my head. Uh, how about counter your Solemn Simulacrum and put uh, something big, giant into play? I'm trying – like Elishnorn or something into play. Right. That's that's awesome. But still, I guess the thing is it costs six and there's better things you could be playing for six mana. Right. And there's a lot of good things you could be playing for six mana and just to potentially get a counter spell off of it doesn't seem uh doesn't seem worth it to me. Um I love the art, I love the idea. I think uh I kinda think it's a shame. Like I want to play it, but I don't think it's gonna I don't think it's good enough. Well, let me ask you while we're on the topic. Okay. Um how do you feel about Bone to Ash? Bone to Ash, which is uh Bone to Ash is an uh common. It's yeah. Blue, blue, and two, so it costs four. Instant, counter-target creature spell, draw a card. Uh, that's exclude for one more blue, right? Is it? Is exclude draw two? Uh, exclude is a blue and two, counter-target creature spell, draw a card. So huh. it's... it's uh, so it's I, strictly worse, exclude. <laughs> right, and I always felt like exclude was, was... I actually was hoping they'd reprint exclude because I feel like... It, it's kind of, I mean, maybe it's a little strong, but I feel like it's a three-mana situational counterspell. You know, yes, it draws me a card, but I feel like Exclude is almost where they'd want to be, even if they reprinted a new Exclude that costs Blue Blue 1. Well, uh, So basically what I feel like is I look at Bone to Ash and I'm like, really, four mana? <laughs> right, right. Well, no, sure, sure. Well, I understand that, but at the same time, looking at standard, Bone to Ash is what we have. You know what I mean? We mm-hmm. don't have Exclude. We have Bone to Ash. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's something you would use? I don't know. I don't know that I – I might play it as a one-of, but I don't even know about that. Like, I, And I, I'm going to bring up something now that I was going to bring up later, but uh, but now seems like a reasonable time to do it. Um, I don't know if you read – Mike Flores' article last Friday, but he also released an audio version of it on Monday, um, uh, where he, uh, w- which is awesome. So I listened to it on the way to work because I had yeah, gotten I saw to, that. Uh, I haven't listened to it. It's really good, and he, it, I'm not even I'm not a basketball fan, but he he actually compares a lot of makes a lot of analogies of magic to basketball, and he really goes in depth with basketball uh, for quite a quite a bit, but. Even as a person who doesn't like basketball, I, I thought it was really interesting content. Um, but the uh, he goes on in the magic portion of the article to talk about how uh, how so many times when he's either designed or piloted a successful deck against what is you know the big bad deck of the era, uh, what he's noticed as as kind of a major difference is his. Like the his mana cost, uh, average mana cost and total mana cost, when you just add up all the all the mana costs in the entire deck, have been significantly lower than that deck. And something like, you know, he he actually makes a, a point about removing two cryptic commands from his modern deck to put in counter squall instead, hmm. because cryptic command, while powerful, it costs four and it's that uh you know that's going to matter in a lot of situations when you can't play it it's it doesn't matter how powerful it is when you have 3 mana up right right and uh you know as much as i'd love to counter a spell and draw a card it seems to me like this is 
It's it's almost not it's not worth it. And especially it's not even counter a spell and draw a card. This isn't even dismiss. This is counter target creature spell and draw a card. So, you know, I, while there's tons of creatures, that's great. But if my I have my four mana up and they go Liliana, I'm like, great, I have Bone Tash. <laughs> right. Great. So now maybe I can recoup this card I'm about to discard, or maybe I just discard Bone to Ash when my opponent activates the Liana. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't necessarily – again, I don't like it. I don't like the counter spells in this set. I feel like they're too expensive. I know they're, they're trying to do more things with counter spells. I don't think – I don't think cancel's good enough, and I think that's pretty much accepted at this point, hopefully, but they keep reprinting it anyway. Um, we've got cards like Stoic Rebuttal, which seem like they uh, – Stoic Rebuttal and even better is Dissipate, I think, where they're a lot closer to what I think a hard counter should be. Yeah, uh, I like Dissipate. Yeah, Dissipate. Dissipate's really good. Yeah, but uh, even something like Dismiss I feel like would would be nice because it costs four and is just counter target spell, draw a card. Uh, I, I think that would be – that would be played. Even then, though, that might not be played as much as it wouldn't be like – it might not be a four of because things kind of uh, – I don't know. Maybe it would be played. It's, it's it's the same example, though. You know, if you don't have four mana up, that's that's a rough rough position to be in. Right. So um, your turn. Um, let's get right to Giralf's Messenger. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is a card that I'm excited about, not just because I like it for my zombie deck. I like it because Joey pretty much nailed what it does. Um, it's a <laughs> three, two zombie, which I, I think I said zombie, right? Yeah. You wanted it to be a zombie. I thought it made more sense as a vampire, but what I ended up saying was, well, if it's zombie, it's a zombie, maybe it comes into play tapped. Well, undying, I mean, seems to make more sense flavor wise on a zombie, That's which true. is, That's which true. is, in, which I didn't really think about at the time either. Neither did I, um, yeah. But it's 3-2, it's a rare, it costs 3 black, so you probably ain't splashing this. Um, It enters the battlefield tapped. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent loses 2 life, undying. So, almost exactly what Joey said last week, except for the creature type. Yeah, I pretty much, I thought it would be a vampire, because I thought making them lose 2 life was more like a blood-sucking ability kind of thing or, or, or something like that. And I the, and that makes sense. Right. But you did say you wanted it to be a zombie. And I, right. I thought, you know, well, then maybe it comes into play tapped. You know, like, I, I, it was sort of a, a joke, but I mean, not totally a joke. I'm, like, thinking right. if it's a zombie, that would be maybe what it does. And it's just like, wow, I, I that was an accident. But it's cool. I'm glad that they printed this. I think it's great. It's, again... You know, Kitchen Finks was a 3-2 that dropped to a 2-1 because of Persist. Now, this is a 3-2 that becomes a 4-3 because of Undying. So, uh, I really like it. I hope that it's playable. And I think that sounds weird, but the thing is we haven't seen a lot of monocolor decks. Right. Especially mono black decks, even though a lot of people are trying. Um, There just seems like – it seems like the mana is – so good to to produce two colors that cards like uh, Phyrexian, not negate Obliterator. <laughs> I almost said Negator. Uh, Phyrexian Obliterator. As much as people wanted to see play, it's just not seeing play. And Garolf's Messenger falls right into that same bucket. I think where, you know, three black 
is is a tough uh it's tough to splash. Sure. Well, we're not going to splash it today. Yeah. I yeah. mean, um, I think it, it could go in a two. Yeah, <laughs> I can go in a two color deck, and I think we'll get to that. Shortly, yes, right? we will. Um, I just want to um, point out the elegant use of the English language on "vengeful vampire." Okay. We have we have alliteration and we have rhyme. So, "vengeful vampire flying undying." <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I was like, that's beautiful. I did notice the flying undying on that and thought that was funny, but I didn't. The Vengeful Vampire's the, uh... quote is, I'm a poet and I didn't even realize it. <laughs> uh, it's, wait, that's not what it says. It, I look it up, bro. It says, oh my gosh, you're right. Yes. No. It says he wields the full power of wrath, unfettered by the sympathies of a soul. Is that an iambic pentameter or what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how a black card <laughs> casts Wrath of God. Uh, if, he, uh, if he wields the full power uh, of wrath. Uh, wait, wait. We've got – yeah, anyway. So uh, <laughs> uh, moving on. No, um, we didn't tell you the power and toughness or the rarity. It does you, not you're matter. You're just going to have to find out. does so. not matter. <laughs> You'll did never we, we, even say, we didn't say the casting cost either. We completely ignored the right half of the card. <laughs> does not matter. <laughs> You'll play it in limited. You'll ha- gladly play this in limited. Sure, absolutely. Okay. Uh, but anyway, let's move on. You guys can just you know look that one up if you want. Look um, it up. So uh, while we're on the black cards, tragic slip. Yes. It's, I think this is some really good removal. Yes. Like people are already playing Ring Flesh, which is a black instant that gives a creature minus three, minus one. Uh, this is a black instant that gives a creature minus one, minus one until end of turn. But it has Morbid, and that creature gets minus 13, minus 13 until end of turn instead of – instead, if a creature died this turn, of course, the Morbid trigger. Um, the flavor text, linger on death's door and risk being invited in. Uh, and the art's awesome. Uh, Christopher Muller – Draws a uh, depicting a guy slipping into an open grave. I think that's great. Um, somebody I can't remember who it was uh, tweeted at Eric Klug, "How many banana peels are you going to be uh, altering onto Tragic Slip <laughs> in in the next few months?" It Seriously. does look like you could put a banana peel right under his foot, right there. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> but this is great. This is nice. You know, one mana removal for a small guy and can be a one mana – I mean we we had have Dismember giving creatures minus five, minus five. Is it really that difficult in a format overrun with creatures to have a creature die and then have Tragic Slip there to uh, to kill something else? Um, right. Seems pretty pretty reasonable. Um, the other cool thing I think he think which works great with Tragic Slip. Of course, my mind went right to Snapcaster Mage, where I Tragic Slip your guy, play Snapcaster, flashback Tragic Slip, and Tragic Slip your other guy for minus thirteen, minus thirteen. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, you know you have uh, you know a, what a, a Titan and a uh, and an Ink Moth Nexus swinging in at me or something. I'm gonna tragic slip your Nexus and then tr- then really tragically slip your uh, Primeval Titan. You know, yeah. it seems reasonable. Uh, seems like a reasonably a reasonable play to expect in uh, in standard. I really really like that card. So your turn. Um, uh, I want I don't want to talk about that card at all. Okay. <laughs> I was gonna talk about I was gonna talk about undying evil, but that's just because it has the word undying in it, mm-hmm. but then it has evil in it. Mm-hmm. But all it does is gives the creature undying, and I'm trying to figure out where the evil is. 
Yeah, I mean, you could put Undying on uh, something that's obviously good, like a Baneslayer Angel. Right, it's not you know. Evil at all. I, th- I think if it's a target creature gains Undying and, and is, is a also black evil. <laughs> And is a black creature in addition to its other colors to lend a turn. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It was just something I was, like, looking at and thinking about probably too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Trying to squeeze uh, every ounce of flavor out of the cards. I know, right? So here's a really cool card, I think. Um, Shattered Perception. Uh, it's a red and two for a sorcery. It's an uncommon. Discard all the cards in your hand, then draw that many cards. And it's got flashback for a red and five. Um, kind of like a, a Winds of Change, Wheel of Fortune kind of variant with yeah. flashback. Um, I have this on my short list of cards to possibly include in a Burning Vengeance deck. Um, this is, uh, I, I think, works great in kind of a deck that just really, really capitalizes on flashback. Where, you know, I, you don't mind discarding all the cards in your hand because they most of them have flashback anyway. And you get to draw a bunch of cards. And then this even has flashback. Um, I don't know if it definitely makes the cut, but it's one that I, I was considering. Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. Um, yeah. Your turn. My turn already. Um, increasing Vengeance is another two red. Or actually, no, the other one costs more. Um, it's two red. It's an instant. It's a rare. Copy, target, instant, or sorcery spell you control. If Increasing Vengeance was cast from a graveyard, copy that spell twice instead. You may choose new targets for the copies, and it has flashback of two red and three. Um, I think this is cool because this can turn, I mean, pretty much any burn spell you have in your hand into a game winner at the end of the game, you know? Yeah, it's uh, it's fork with flashback, but it doubles it if you flash it back. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's... You know, you're copying the spell twice. Um, this was That's another one I was thinking about for for a, a flashback, burning vengeance kind of deck. It actually says increasing vengeance on it. I mean, if they can't make it any more obvious, won't they call it increasing burning vengeance? Um, but <laughs> it's a nice cheap instant that you can uh, – where you can fork a burn spell or something. Yeah, the only difference between this and fork is that fork could target your opponent's spells – Oh, right on. This can only target yours. Good point. Uh, and Fork also made the spell red, apparently. I just looked it up. <laughs> oh, that's kind of funny. I forgot about that. I don't think I ever knew that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, is that relevant? Protection from demons and dragons, whatever. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, it's um, it's kind of a kind of another Fork variant, a twin cast variant. Um, Thought Scour is another cool new card, I think. And I think this is actually going to see play in a number of decks. Uh, Let me actually pull it up right in front of me, even though I kind of know what it is anyway. It's a new Mental Note. Mental Note was a a pretty fairly popular card and still sees some play in Legacy. Um, Mental Note, though, could only target yourself. Thought Scour can target any player, including yourself or your opponent. It's uh, a blue instant common for a blue and target player puts the top two cards of his or her library into his or her graveyard draw a card so in that burning vengeance deck while we're you know kind of on this topic thought right. scour i think is possibly a staple of that deck where you go ahead and you know you, you don't mind dumping your flashback cards into your graveyard and you get to draw a card it's almost like a draw three and 
with Snapcaster Mage. It, it's a nice cheap instant that you can take advantage of with Snapcaster Mage as well, where you're you know play a Snapcaster and flash back the Thought Scour. Right. I think that's that's really cool. I love the art on it as well. So that's a I think that's a really cool card. Um, I, I kind of really want to play with that one. Your turn. Stormbound Geist. Stormbound Geist. Oh, right, it's right next to Thoughts yeah. Out Scour. Uh, it's two blue and one. It's a two-two flyer. It's a common. It's a spirit. Stormbound Geist can block only creatures with flying, and it has undying. So it's a two-two, and then it's a three-three. I think it's a good flyer. I think it's a really good. I mean, it's a card that I'm going to be, you know, scooping up generously in draft. Um, I think this is, they kind of cheated. I hate when people rhyme flying with flying, you know, the same word. It's got flying, flying, and dying. I mean, you can't rhyme the same word with the same word. That's just, that's just cheating. Yeah. But as far as its magic playability, um, I, I like this. I, this was one I was looking at kind of closely. I'm, I want it to be playable in standard too. It seems like a card that would be, would have been like a blue staple 10 years ago. <laughs> Or or so like it's a two two flyer for three. Um, that's pretty pretty good, you know, reasonably good right there. It's not it, back then. It wasn't actually that bad, and uh, and the fact that it comes back after after dying as a three three flyer, I think this would have been an, a nice old school blue staple. Now it's probably outclassed by a three two for one. Right. Um, <laughs> let me talk about another card. Yeah, uh, you can talk about another card. Because you're, you're right. Card? You're right. Like, this card is one of those cards that my old brain goes, hey, this is pretty good. You know what I mean? And yeah. then, like, you realize, oh, right, it's 2011. <laughs> yeah. It might not be as good as, like, my old brain thinks that uh, my, it's it, going to be. Right. So go ahead. What's your, um, your well? The next card I want to talk about and um, spoilers: a card that did not make my my uh, zombie deck that I put together for possibly next episode. Um, Haven Ghoul Runebinder, um, and it was painful to not put this in there because it's a good card, but it's double blue to cast, and I really was trying to stick with you know if you're running a triple black card, mm-hmm. double blue doesn't seem very good, especially when there's like zero card draw. Um, but anyway, uh, probably why I don't build tournament winning decks. Um, this is two blue and two. It's a two, two human wizard. It's a rare, a blue, a two, a blue, a two, <laughs> Just uh, a two. one blue, two colorless tap, exile a creature from your graveyard, put a two, two black zombie creature token onto the battlefield, then put a plus one, plus one counter on each zombie creature you control. Obviously huge in some sort of tribal zombie strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, not so sure I can fit it into the deck that I'm like considering, but that's also because I'm probably the most hesitant person to play a two color deck of anyone that you've ever known. <laughs> um, I'm like double blue in a black deck. I can't do that. Like, I just can't and don't like, even though I probably could and should, yeah. I just don't. So you might want to consider it. If you're looking to build tribal zombies, listeners at home or in your cars or wherever you are, but I think uh, um, I can't do it. <laughs> I, w- I wonder about this. Cause you're exiling a creature card from your graveyard. Now it seems like a lot of zombies 
I don't know, you know, it kind of depends on what direction you're taking your zombie deck, but a lot of the zombies require exiling creatures. Are you going to have a lot of creatures in the in the graveyard? And then if you do have something like Grave Crawler in the graveyard, do you really want to exile it, you know, uh, because it's our, it's one that you don't want. So now you have a two, two for four that you might not even be able to make use of. Um, I think it's a, it's a cool card, but I think you might need to build your strategy skewing towards the fact that you're going to use him. He kind of skews the zombie strategy, I think. Uh, well, the thing is the zombie, like the zombie deck that I built could use him just fine. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like I'm looking at like the scab creatures that yeah, I don't have an additional any- costs might, might, require you to exile something scab ruinator things like that um and then cards that certain zombie cards that come back out of the graveyard like grave crawler which you wouldn't want to exile um now if you have uh now the, the other thing about having gold rune binder is well he's not a zombie uh, and just because he puts zombies into play and pumps zombies doesn't necessarily mean he has to be in a zombie deck he could just be in a creature deck uh he kind of I mean, think about Moreland Haunt. He's kind of like a Moreland Haunt-ish card where you're exiling a creature from your graveyard and you, instead of a 1-1 flyer, you get a 2-2 zombie and uh, and then it becomes a 3-3 zombie. Right. You know what I mean? So you're you're getting, while he's a lot, he obviously isn't a, a land, he's not a free card to play and he's not uncounterable. Uh, when he's doing his work, he's producing three threes and they happen to be zombies, which you yeah. know, he's pumping the other zombies, but uh, you don't actually have to use him in a zombie deck. I don't know that I see him seeing as much play as Moreland Haunt because of the fact that Moreland Haunt is just a land and uh, makes a flyer makes in the a flyer, right. same colors as the captain that gives them hexproof. Yeah. Uh, so, but, but just, I'm, I just wanted to point out, he doesn't, just go in a zombie deck just because he puts uh, counters on zombies. The other thing is putting a plus one, plus one counter on your zombies might actually make it worse because now your guys with Undying won't come back. True. Potentially, depending on what you've got in play. Oh, that's true. It could be a liability where you're going, okay, my, you know, my Garolf's Messenger I just cast now won't come back. Even though now it's a 4-3, it's not coming back because it's got a counter on it. If, right. If somebody destroys it. So uh could be a liability. Um Hmm. Talked about that. Talked about just want quickly uh wanted to mention Griptide, uh which is I think is cool. It's a blue and three instant common put target creature on top of its owner's library. Uh it's just kind of a plow under kind of effect, which I, I think is cool. I don't instant know. Speed. Yeah, it's an instant speed plow under, which is cool. Like I, I, I like it, and uh, might be. It's too... a fixed submerge. Sure, exactly. It's a, it's a fixed submerge. Um, so I like that. I like the idea of putting a creature on top of uh, on top of somebody's deck, so you kind of not only not it's not like bouncing it where they have to recast it, but they also lose their draw step. Right, especially and especially with evolving wilds back in the format. Yeah, then that's something worth mentioning too. Evolving wilds being reprinted, so it's the only it's the only fetch land in the format now. Is that right? Right. <laughs> um, a lot of people will be playing it. I think. Yeah. Uh, well, it's going to help a lot of these decks, multicolor decks, um, especially the ones that are three colors and and even four colors. I think that's going to be a pretty big thing. We've been playing. We've been stuck with shimmering grotto, and that's uh, terrible. Evolving wilds could be. 
much more uh, clutch, especially when you've got like you know something like Drowned Catacomb in your hand and Evolving Wilds. If that Evolving Wilds were a shimming, Shimmering Grotto, that would suck. But if it's an Evolving Wilds, now you get a Swamp and now you have Double Black, or now you get a an Island and you, you have Double Blue. You know what I mean? You have the, the Drowned Catacomb coming into play untapped. Um, anyway, uh, I, I like that, that nice ability to make them shuffle away their creature too is cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's what you were kind of saying when they, they play Evolving Wilds and you respond with Griptide. Uh, pretty cool. So your turn. Well, let's talk about the, um, the green black land. Cause it's cool. Yeah. I have that written down too. So go ahead. Yeah. yeah. Uh, grim backwoods. It's a land. Obviously it's a rare, you can tap it to add a colorless or you can tap two. A black and a green, tap it, sacrifice a creature, draw a card. Pretty good. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it might be too expensive, but I know people are going to be wanting to uh, to try to use this a lot. I mean, it says draw a card on it, on a land. One of the interesting things to note here is that, um, you know, we have the full set. Mm-hmm. And we only have a black, white, and a black, green, uh, like, Enemy. ability. And yeah, like the, the we kind of expected a full cycle of enemy colored ability lands. We only got those two, so I hope that means the others are coming in Avison Restored, but I guess it's possible that they aren't. Right. I was excited to see what like the blue red and the blue green one did. But uh, I guess I still have to stay excited to see what the blue red and the blue green one do. <laughs> right. Because they're not here. Um I think the uh, the blue, I mean the the black white one, which we talked about, the vault of something or other, uh, <laughs> is uh, is going to see a lot of play in these in the token decks, vault of the archangel, uh, which I think tokens are really going to be popping up a lot. Um, so we talked about uh, oh we didn't talk about this one, increasing ambition. It's uh, kind of a fixed demonic tutor. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, depends on your idea of uh, of what fixed means. Because <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, if you don't want to play the card, it's broken. <laughs> and not broken. <laughs> yep. It's not broken in the magic sense, in in the sense of oh, this card is too good, it's broken. It's uh, it's it's they took demonic tutor and they broke it, so nobody wants to play with it. Um, <laughs> it's uh, a black and four sorcery rare. Search your library for a card and put that card into your hand. So that's that's Demonic Tutor for three more colorless. Uh, it does have flashback for a black and seven. And if it was cast from a graveyard, you instead search your library for two cards and put those cards into your hand and then shuffle your library. Uh, I just thought it was worth mentioning. I don't know that it's worth playing. Um, it seems really freaking good. Well... Liliana, didn't she do the same thing? Liliana, uh, not of the Vess, but Liliana Vess. Uh, Liliana Vess. Wasn't that like her minus two ability was search your library for a card, shuffle, and put it on top? I mean, that, not exactly the same, but it cost five, and she really didn't see much play. And she had two other abilities on her. You know, one to make people discard, and another ultimate that was kind of living deathish. Uh, right. So. She saw a little bit of play, not to say she didn't see play, but she really wasn't, you know, she wasn't that great. And I feel like increasing ambition costs, has the same converted mana cost and at not much greater of a, uh, you know, not much, not much 
advantage to that. And um, don't we do we not have Diabolic Tutor? I mean, Diabolic Tutor. I feel we like do have Diabolic Tutor. Yeah, <laughs> it costs one less, and you get to put it in your hand, and nobody right. plays it. But that just replaces itself. But like this, in like say a control deck or something, mm-hmm. you know, being able to search up your three key cards that you need, like over the course of the game, like seems really good. Like in blue black control strategy. Hmm. Like having three, like being able to search up ultimately three cards. You know what I mean? You're playing blue black control, so you're going to be getting to that much mana probably. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think I think it's really, really, really good. Um, I don't do I think it's broken? No, it costs five. There have been tutors that cost less in standard, as you've stated. That um, you know, that have been fine, totally fair, but. This card seems like it could get you the last two cards you need to win. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I definitely see your point. Um, like, because, you know, when you're playing against a deck and they go, turn six Grave Titan, you go, oh, it's tough. You know what I mean? Or turn five with mm-hmm. the, uh, with the whatever that thing is that gains you life when you tap it. I can't remember the name Christine of it. Christine Talisman. Yeah, when you have one of those, like, mm-hmm. you, know, in, you know, so you have it a turn early, maybe you get Grave Titan, and they kill. They figure out a way to kill your Grave Titan. Like, yes, I killed Grave Titan. And then you go search up two Grave Titans. You know what I mean? Like, and they go, <laughs> oh, I don't have ways to kill the next two. Uh, see the writing on the wall. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, right. they don't even get to see the writing on the wall because you search them up, you don't reveal them. That's true. <laughs> and then they, then you can just keep firing off grave titans until they submit <laughs> yeah i mean uh, you know just for example you know one example of how you could use that card i, like I think it. it's really good like um it. so here's a card that i'm not very happy about because i feel like it doesn't help us fix standard at all i feel like it only makes standard more repetitive avison's collar uh it's one colorless it's an artifact equipment it's an uncommon um, its equip cost is two. Equipped creature gets plus one plus O oh, and has vigilance. Whenever equipped creature dies, if it was a human, put a one one white spirit creature token with flying onto the battlefield. So, yeah, more uh, more spirit tokens. And the, you know what this kind of reminds me of is a uh, skull clamp. <laughs> now, obviously, it's not skull clamp, yeah. but you know, skull cl- skull clamp was so far. So broken. Uh, that's not. They're not going to reprint another skull clamp. But it reminds me of it, where like the creature gets a little bit of a bonus when it dies. You get a card, quote unquote card. You know, right? Uh, it that's a good good card to point out, and um, it does remind me a little bit of that. Now I, and it has vigilance. Yeah, pr- pretty good. So. Speaking of cards that are gonna that could possibly make things unbearable, uh, Drog Skull Captain is a blue, white, and a one for a creature spirit soldier uncommon two two flying. Other spirit creatures you control get plus one plus one, and have hexproof. Oh yeah, hexproof, the most annoying ability to deal with in Magic. Uh yeah, on top of putting it in one of the most annoying decks to play against in Standard. Yes, um, and uh, you know, blue white didn't need this, right? I mean, they. Did it. I mean, just, just uh, anyway. We're, I'm just going to move on. I don't while we're at it, it, though, while we're at it, why don't we just splash black and add lingering souls to the deck? Um, I'm surprised we haven't we've gone this far without talking about this card. Yeah, 
Uh, Lingering Souls is Midnight Haunting, but way better. Why would they do this? Anyway, oh no, when, oh Midnight no, Haunting that's right. is instant. Instant, that's right, instant, that's right. Okay, Lingering Souls is a white and two. It's a sorcery. I think the speed at which it's cast is irrelevant. Um, it's uncommon. It's bitter blossom. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Put two one one white spirit creature tokens with flying onto the battlefield. Now, oh, yeah, it's just a worse Midnight Haunting. Oh wait. Flashback for one and a black. Yeah. So there's I don't this, like it. There's black white tokens and uh, you know sneak preview to what it seems like it's going to be next episode. Um, Esper tokens is a deck that I'm brewing. So uh, and 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 it's exactly what you just said. It's, <laughs> why not yep. take why not take the uh, blue white Delver list and splash black? And so that's basically what I'm thinking. I'm going to make an Esper tokens list. And, uh, you know, see if I can – I'm going to take a Delver list and try to make uh, – try to kind of use that as a starting point to make something like Esper Tokens with Sorens and Lingering Souls and big – you know, and removal like Go for the Throat. So is this, is this Wizard's way of making me play Modern for a couple of months? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you're just avoiding Standard now. Uh, I don't know. But the thing is we have cards like Ratchet Bomb that are just – just single-handedly wreck tokens. And you have cards like Graft Digger's Cage that single-handedly wreck the flashback deck. It's almost like, hey, they're pushing these decks, but they've got the safety valves available. Sure. So maybe it's not going to be so bad. Uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how things shake out and things never really end up the way we expect. So uh, Curse of Echoes. This is kind of the first curse that I think may actually be playable. Uh, hmm. It's a blue and four enchantment aura curse to rare enchant player, like all the curses. Whenever enchanted player casts an instant or sorcery spell, each other player may copy that spell and may choose new targets for the copy he or she controls. Um, it doesn't do anything by itself, but I mean, how does like how much kind of card advantage does that generate as soon as they start casting spells? Right, especially when you play it against. Uh, it's kind of like a funny hive mindy kind of card. Yeah. Right? It's like a new neo hive mind kind of thing. Um but you you get the benefits and they don't get to copy your stuff. So uh just something that to consider that may actually be another one of those combo pieces to a to a deck in standard or maybe even further back. So as we kind of alluded to, we had originally planned to talk some uh, talk about some decks, but since we spent so long talking about these cool new cards, uh, I think we're going to save that for next week. Yeah, let's do it next week. I mean, are you are you going to any pre-releases this weekend? I won't be. I will be. Uh, I'm actually out of town this weekend, so I'm not even sure I'm going to any, which is very odd. Um, yeah. it's kind of we've mentioned it in the past. I kind of feel like. As much as Wizards is trying to improve the pre-release kind of experience, I feel like it's gotten worse. And I know you pretty much agree where it used to be a big event and now it's just a small whatever event. Like, I don't really feel like I'm, I'm not excited to go to a pre-release and uh, I can't buy the, the new cards there. I just have to, the only cards I get are whatever I, you know, play with or win. I can't, you know, buy a box if I want or buy singles. It's just and then it's just at a local store, so it doesn't really seem very special to me. Um, so speaking of which, upcoming events this weekend is the Dark Ascension pre-release. Get out to your local store. <laughs> <laughs> 
and play Dark Ascension for the first time. Hey, if you're the type of person that just you know wants to wants to go out and that that's a, that's what you like, then that's great. Uh, my uh, as I've said before too, uh, my major reason for going to, to the pre-release was to get cards for Standard, and that's just too hard to do when you're opening six packs or in, even less in this case three packs, and then you have to win to get any more packs or trade to get the cards you need. I just say I'll just wait a couple days and wait until it releases and get the cards I need. Uh, next weekend, February 4th and 5th, Dark Ascension's coming out party. It releases that weekend and also uh, coincides with Star City Games Open Series in Richmond. So we're get, we'll get to see Dark Ascension's effect on Standard uh, for the first time. Week after that, February 11th and 12th, Star City Games Open Series in Cincinnati, where I will be doing commentary and hopefully uh, seeing some evolution of Standard. I'm excited to, to see what how things shape up after that first week. So that's what we have to look forward to in the coming weeks. So that's all the time we have. We are Yo MTG Taps. Stop bitching, start brewing. 